0: Welcome to Bridge CRE. This is your host, Brandon Jenkins. I'm with Air System Service and Construction. And I'm here with my special guest, Logan Breimer. He is our director of pre-construction at Air System Service and Construction and a licensed mechanical engineer. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate you having me on. I'm happy to be here and kind of, you know, discuss what's becoming a hot topic, but be able to hopefully educate people on something that's easier to understand and easier for them to implement personally that can really help impact their health the health of their loved ones both in this crazy covid environment and in general moving forward against any kind of flu virus.
0: Yeah, absolutely and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. We are going to be talking about air uh air infectious infectious
1: aerosol infectious prevention. aerosol
0: prevention. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or really air as Ashray likes to say it specifically their uh position on infectious aerosols right
0: and so and just so we have clarification you've actually been studying this for a while
1: i have yes I, so our uh, our general manager at air systems when all of this kind of first came out tasked me with going and just learning uh, everything that we could about how to help make our indoor environments as safe as possible in a pandemic environment and so i just really went down a rabbit hole learning everything that I could and dissecting all the information that's available and trying to break it down into things that make sense for people that you can actually implement that are gonna be easy to do and have the largest impact so low-hanging fruit right
0: absolutely and this is both gonna be educational for them personally at home and at work yes so let's go ahead and talk about it and i the big topic is going to be uh, relative humidity
1: yes sir yeah absolutely so before we dive into relative humidity super specifically you know i just i did want to touch on some just briefly mentioned things that people may have heard okay. in the past about how to deal with covid inside or you know any kind of infectious airborne aerosol so yeah. people have heard of a lot of things like uh, by now you've heard of bipolar ionization upper uv uv in your duct work increase your ventilation rate increase your filtration all that type of stuff
0: yeah, all those, into air quality stuff.
1: right those are all very important measures they're good at you know it depends what your space is and what your circumstances those are all excellent ways to help dilute infectious airborne aerosols like viruses that are in the air if they happen to be in the air this is how we can get them out of the air how we can kill them dilute them get them outside whatever the case may be. But what I really want to talk about today is before we worry about getting rid of the infection that's in the air, let's just try as hard as we can to keep it out of the air in the first place. Yeah. Right. So that's really what we're going to talk about today. Whereas to me, preventing the spread of any virus and trying to keep yourself healthy starts with relative humidity. So what is relative humidity? First of all, relative humidity is the amount of moisture that the air that you're in can hold versus how much it has, it happens to have in it at the time. Mm -hmm. So the warmer air is the more moisture it can hold in it. That's like why when you go to Florida and you go outside, you can just really feel that humidity because it's hot and humid. Mm -hmm. So people are used to thinking that humidity is their enemy. It makes your hair frizzy, makes you sweaty, all of this type of stuff. So humidity has been something that we've looked at for a long time as bad Mm -hmm. in our interior spaces, especially in the winter, it can cause problems because if it's too damp inside, And it's cold outside. You can get condensation on the windows, right? So this is one of the reasons why it's in the wintertime, especially our general practice has been to keep our buildings drier than is really healthy for us. Ultimately, overall, we do that to help prevent condensation from forming on the windows. And that's good. We don't want condensation because if you do have water start to collect, you can have bacteria growth and that's bad, right? But There is a balance that we want to try and keep, especially in this environment, because infectious, like viruses, really—that's what we're talking about here more than Mm -hmm. anything. Whether it be COVID or any flu virus, Mm -hmm. survives substantially better in the air if your relative humidity is less than forty percent. Right, forty percent is really your nice, good, clean baseline that you want to keep. And our systems are the way that we design our systems. We've never really paid attention or cared about relative humidity before. It's like you might be asking yourself, but this makes so much sense. Why haven't we been doing it for a million years? We just started putting outside air into our buildings like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah. We used to seal the thing up and just lock it down in order to so if we're always just trying to save energy and money and make ourselves comfortable. Right. Right. I mean, we haven't really been thinking about how these interior environments that we build actually impact our health. Right. But this is something that actually most people know. If it's too dry, that's not good for you. It's bad for your lungs, your skin gets dried out. So, just in general, it's something that people kind of understand. And so, where we live
0: too, right? California's environment. Yes. it's, It's in Sacramento generally we tend to have drier air
1: yeah sacramento can get very dry i mean it's something that people don't really realize is that really we kind of sacramento is like this is like the nile valley right it's a desert with a whole lot of river water that comes through right you know and we flood just like the nile we just control it we grow all this crazy food in the summer but really we live in a desert so why this is important specifically now is that something that people are just kind of really starting to understand and starting to get a little bit more notoriety and come to the forefront is that if a space is too dry, so let's just, let's break this down into something simple that we can all understand. If I'm sick, you can see that I'm sick. If I cough, sneeze, whatever particles come out of my mouth, my nose, whatever it is. If you get one of those big particles in your nose, in your mouth, whatever it is, you're going to get sick. That makes sense, right? Correct. So you can see that I'm sick, you stay six feet away from me, you should be good. That's what the social distancing is about, right? Mm-hmm. If it's way too dry, if we make it artificially dry inside of a space, which we often do right. with our systems, because it's relatively comfortable if it stays dry. You know, you don't really care that much. It's not like when it gets super muggy, you complain immediately. Right. So we haven't really been paying attention to this that much, but especially in the wintertime, it's really easy for your buildings to get super dry all of a sudden. And what that ends up doing is you think, so if I cough, I go, the drops, if they're heavy enough, they come out of my mouth and they fall on the desk in front of me. Right. If it's really dry, I cough or sneeze. They go. They evaporate. They evaporate out into the air. Yep. Exactly. Then they linger. Yes. They, they, they turn into what's called like they, uh, droplet nuclei is what is what they call it. So, You have like a virus particle that's attached to some moisture saliva particle that's come out of an infected person. And if it's really dry, that moisture particle will dry out so small, it becomes so tiny that that particle is now aerosol Mm -hmm. and it's floating in the wind and that virus droplet doesn't have any moisture in it. So it's in this little like hibernation state and it's just floating around in the air and those can collect in the air over time. And if you breathe a bunch of those in, they go into your lungs, rehydrate, yeah. and then you're infected. Yeah. What's important right now, more than anything, is that people learn the relationship between relative humidity and infection rates and start learning how to pay attention to the relative humidity inside your space.
0: Right. And you said a proper uh, relative humidity rate is
1: between 40 and 60 percent is the ideal range just wanted to reinforce anything below 40 viruses really start to thrive right 40 is your sweet spot in the winter because if you start getting much higher than 40 you can you have to start worrying about condensation a little bit viruses are especially you know they they really have a hard time once you get up to like 60 percent relative humidity but it's kind of a you don't have to make it push it up that high you start flirting with condensation yeah. problems it's not worth it right so how do i know what the relative humidity is yes
0: that was my next question
1: how do i know what it is so it's really you it's you have to figure it out the same way you figure out what temperature it is you have to have something that will meter and monitor and record that
0: right and there's a product you recommend right
1: there is it, there's a, a company called Govi. it's spelled g-o-v-e-e they sell their products on amazon if you go to amazon and you search Govi, bluetooth humidistat, or humidity monitor, or hygrometer, you'll see something pop up that's a square device that is a Bluetooth humidity monitor. And what's really awesome about this thing is that it just takes a few AAA batteries. It comes with a great app that you can put on any phone, Android, Apple, whatever it is. And it will take a reading of what the relative humidity is once a minute and record that. And then you can get data trends in your phone to be able to see how dry does it get in my house throughout the day? Mm-hmm. How dry does it get at work throughout the day? So you can go to Amazon and you can get a two pack of these things. You can hook them both up to your phone, less than 25 bucks out the door to just educate yourself on how dry is it in here.
0: Right, and it looks like, I mean, it literally just looks like a little clock or something that you'd put on mm-hmm. your desk. So this right. is this is potentially good for someone to keep in their home. This is potentially someone to keep or for property managers to have at work and then also for their tenants as well.
1: Absolutely. What's great about these is it's something it's a, it's for less than 25 bucks, you can get two. So you can have one to put at your home and one to put at your work. So you can keep track of both and make sure that it doesn't get too dry in the space. And remember 40% is the magic number. You start going below 40, that's the danger zone. Viruses can start floating in the air and it's your immune system goes down too actually if it becomes too dry. So it becomes a double whammy. Mm
0: -hmm. So is there any products that you recommend uh, recommend at home that where they can have those adjustments for relative humidity if they find it to be too
1: low? Yes, definitely. So I, I want to repeat again. Step one, get a sensor that you can tell if it's too dry or not. Mm-hmm. Start to understand it and pay attention to it, especially as we go into winter. Mm-hmm. So get your sensors first. If you find that it's too dry and you want to be able to help humidify your home, there's a number of just tried and true technologies that you can do this with. There's your basic hot steam humidifier. Those are great for the wintertime because they don't have any kind of cooling effect. They basically just boil the water and put it into the air. Good old mm-hmm. Vicks Vapor Rub style, you <laughs> yeah. know, just plug that little. It's a little tiny boiler thing yeah. that you put in the space, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. There's that style. Um, Then you have your evaporative style which basically it has a media and that media soaks up water and a fan blows water through that and That helps get water into the air larger style ones like those one if you look up ones made by air care Mm -hmm. Those are good for to have at home. Um, They don't take as much refilling of water into them They have larger capacity reservoirs, but you do have to replace the media every now and again so If you're going to go evaporative, get a large evaporative. Don't get a small one because it's not going to work very well. The last type of humidifier, this technology has been improving a lot recently. They're called ultrasonic. These are really cool. It's just a little plate. It's a ceramic plate that vibrates at a really quick frequency so fast that it shakes the water and it shakes the particles and it turns them into little tiny mist, like super, you know, very, very fine mist particles and shakes them into the air so that they can evaporate really easily. These are really cool because they have a cooling effect, which is great in the summer because the water evaporates and that gives us a cooling effect. But one thing you do have to watch out for with these is that because of the way that the humidity is generated, that mist will come out. And if you have a ultrasonic humidifier running in the same place for two or three weeks and you're landing on the same desk, especially if it's a dark color, you're gonna to start to see the white dust, they call it, right. start to accumulate. That's basically, it's the same thing as scale mm-hmm. occurring more or less, and you'll start to see it build up on the surfaces of your humidifier, but yeah. it wipes off, it's not the end of the world. You can scrape it, brush it off of your humidifier. It's not terrible. So it's kind of a, if you're gonna choose between an evaporative or an ultrasonic, you just gotta ask, do I wanna be replacing media? all the time or not all like once a year that type of thing do i want a big bulky thing that's basically like a bucket in the middle of my house or do i want something like the ultrasonic ones tend to be the reservoirs are smaller the technology is a little bit more expensive but still like the most expensive home ultrasonic humidifier or like i've even used ones like this for the office you're gonna pay maximum of 200 bucks the evaporative ones you're looking at like 150 something like that but on the ultrasonic amazon basics makes a great ultrasonic humidifier that the last time i checked is 35 bucks yeah and i've got those all over my house you know they're just they're it's a great 35 dollars tool and i mean i the ultrasonics i think are kind of fun actually
0: so there's an option whatever your budget is at home right there's you definitely have an option right right on right on so i'm guessing the next step is people would want to or our listeners would want to find out what they could do at work.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so first again, I want to reiterate, get your sensor and put it in your office now. So you can start to understand how the relative humidity fluctuates. Leave it there when you're not there, let yep. it record data and then come back and load it up in your phone so that when you come back into the office, you can see what happens throughout the day. Sometimes it's way too dry in the morning because the building's been too dry overnight and it takes a while for the moisture to get back in there. So that's step one. Mm -hmm. First, understand what the humidity is doing inside your space. Mm -hmm. Then after that, when you start talking about a commercial system versus home, you can apply some of the same principles and you can do your own humidity control. If you want to just protect yourself at your personal desk, you can get one of these Amazon basics, ultrasonic humidifiers, and you can put that right at your desk and that'll work great. But if you're trying to impact something on a global level and you're trying, it's like, I got a class a building, right? I'm not going to go and drop $35 humidifiers and all these weird buckets all (laughs) over the place. How am I going to go about making this space improved and making sure that my humidity is appropriately controlled, right? That starts to become a little bit more of a complicated question because you are, you're putting water into the air. You're Mm -hmm. putting water into your system and the appropriate way to go about doing that is going to depend on your system. You know, there's, It's If you try and go and introduce a whole brand new system like this into a giant built up air handler or large package units, the cost starts going up. I mean, that's when you're talking tens of thousands of dollars, like probably per unit, depending on how this is gonna be applied. But ultimately, in my opinion, this is the most important thing to pay attention to. Don't care about your bipolar ionization. Don't care about your UV lights in your duct. None of this. That's all about killing virus that's in the air. Mm-hmm. keep it out of the air in the first place. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's Stop like, it before it even becomes a exactly. problem. Exactly. If you don't crash your car, you don't need airbags and a seatbelt in the first place. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, that's why this is what I want people to get educated on more than anything is because this is something that you can do personally right now. This moment you can go on Amazon and spend 50 bucks, and have a dramatic improvement in your overall health, just by understanding what the relative humidity is in different spaces. Right. As I've begun to go around and educate, like even some people in our office, I've heard that it's like, I heard a story from a, a sales guy of ours that said, it's like, you know what? I started paying attention to this. I got sensors, I brought them home. My daughter got sick. All the, Everyone in my house gets sick all the time. One person gets sick. Everybody always gets sick. Right. I've been maintaining the RH in my house above 40% this whole summer. No one else got sick when she got sick this time. Right, The stuff works. Yep. I've watched the same thing happen in our office. It gets really dry in there and it turns into what a very dry environment that's poorly ventilated. That's what they call a super spreader. Right. And that's what we got to watch out for, especially in our commercial office buildings. I'm really worried about this because, because that's how they were designed. Right. We're, well, they're designed such that we're only caring about, the space not getting too too wet. Right. We're not worried about it not getting too dry. Right. And I'm especially concerned about this in commercial office buildings because I think what's been happening is they've been sitting empty this entire time is they're just drying out. Yeah. Where does moisture come from? Like you have to moisture has to get into a space from somewhere. Mm -hmm. If it's really dry outside and you know you're just kind of putting a little bit of outside air in there during the day when it's super dry. Moisture comes, the biggest moisture load in a commercial office building is people. Mm-hmm. People in there breathing, running the wa- running water, using the break room, using mm-hmm. the break sink, washing dishes, all that type of stuff. If you have a commercial Walking. space, right, sweating, all of it. Sweat, it's for, yeah. It's a lot of moisture. If you take all of those and just eliminate them from the building for an extended period of time and then decide, oh, I'm going to open my building back up and have it be a social distance type of a thing. So where we were only operating at 50% capacity. So you could be going back to a building that's just been dried out like a sponge over this entire summer. Your only moisture load that you have available that you could go put back in, you're gonna do half. right? And then you're gonna run your building at an increased outside air load, which during the winter is just gonna make it even drier. right? So all of a sudden these things can just start stacking up where it's like, okay, I increased my filters, I put the bipolar in and blah, but it's like, We're just
0: adding to the problem.
1: Yeah. You didn't pay attention to what do I need to do to keep the virus out of the air in the first place. That is step one before anything else is just keep it out of the air and you don't have to get it out of the air. That's awesome, man. Let's, uh, well,
0: like I said, we appreciate, um, all your knowledge on this. Um, and we appreciate you taking time to educate us about it. And once again, if, if, Anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. This is uh, Brandon Jenkins with Air Systems Service and Construction. And uh, I could get you guys in front of Logan and uh, we could continue this conversation.
1: Yeah, happy to do it. Happy to do it. I know it's, it's a basic concept in general, but step one is people just need to understand what the relative humidity is in their spaces. So please, everyone go out there, spend your 25 bucks get your humidistats and educate the people that you care about, especially your old people. If you, if grandma or grandpa is going to have the cable guy come by in the winter, make sure it's 40 or 50% relative humidity in their house. Right. Cause if that cable guy is infected, their infection is going to stay down. Right. If it's too dry in a space and you're wearing a mask mask is very, very ineffective because the particles become so small, they go straight through the mask. Mm-hmm. Relative humidity is very important. Pay attention. Right on, man. Well, thank you again.